Well, please open your Bibles to the book of Revelation chapter 12. Last week we looked at verses 1 through 12. So this week we will pick up our study in verse 13. But again, as we often do, we'll go back and we'll read our way on into verse 13 by starting at verse 1. So, Revelation 12, starting in verse 1, it says, Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then, being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, that they should feed her there 1,260 days. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death, Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. So we have been studying for weeks now the great tribulation that is to come upon the earth one day in the future. So we see here in chapter 12, though, somewhat of a history lesson, if you will. John, in this vision that he is receiving from the Lord, sees what we can easily understand as a picture of the birth of the nation of Israel, or the children of Israel, as well as a picture of the birth of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who, of course, came from the tribes of Israel. Last week, if you were here, you remember that we went back into Genesis, and we took a look at an interpretation that Jacob gave of a dream that his son Joseph had. And we talked about how this woman of verse 1 here in chapter 12 has a very striking resemblance to the birth of the 12 tribes of Israel. We also went into the Gospel of Matthew last week and we took a look at the birth of Jesus Christ and how Herod ordered to have all children to and under killed in an attempt to find Jesus and to kill him. But we saw how Joseph took Mary and the baby Jesus and fled to Egypt for safety. So in a sense, 
we can tie what we are reading here symbolically to the birth of Israel and the nation and also to the birth of Jesus the Messiah. But also at this point in time in the Great Tribulation, we see that Satan has been cast down to the earth here. And we see there in verse 12 where it says, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. So Satan is upon the earth. And if you think back on what we've studied about the first part of the tribulation, the things that were taking place during the first part of the tribulation when we first started to study it, it seemed to be caused by forces in heaven. But now that Satan is on the earth here, at the end of chapter 12, we'll now begin to see that the circumstances of the tribulation, or at the end of verse 12, I should say, we'll, we'll, we'll see that the circumstances of the tribulation now will be caused by things on the earth. Okay, so the scene is shifting. So verse 13 says, Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. Okay, so let's keep in mind here that symbolically, and that's an important word, symbolically, we are symbolically looking at a woman here. In particular, this woman represents one that gives birth to the tribes of Israel and ultimately to the tribes of, or to the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who came from the tribes of Israel. So the woman very simply, very simply to me anyway, represents Israel here. Now I say very simply to me because there are others that would interpret this woman to represent someone else. The Catholics, for example, say she is the queen of heaven, Mary. Those that believe that the church will be here and go through the great tribulation would say that this woman represents the church. But for me, as I see the very striking similarity to the interpretation of Joseph's dream in Genesis chapter 37, I can't help but see this woman as representing Israel. So with that being said, right, Satan was loosed from the bottomless pit, as we saw in Revelation chapter 9. He then went to make war in heaven with Michael and his angels, and Michael and his angels fought against him and prevailed. Satan was cast to the earth, and he immediately goes after the nation of Israel once he's cast back to the earth. Israel is the woman who gave birth to the male child, as we see in verse 13 there. And if Israel is the woman that gives birth to the male child, who is the male child? You should see there in your Bible that the word child at the end of verse 13 is rightfully capitalized. The male child that came out of Israel is Jesus Christ, our Savior. So at this point in the tribulation, the nation of Israel will be under attack with Satan being the force behind that attack. But do you ever wonder why it is that Satan attacks the Jewish people? Not only will he attack them during the Great Tribulation, but throughout all of history, right? Satan has attacked the Jewish people. So why is this so? Well, you know, Satan doesn't like the fact that since the time of Abraham, 
Israel is the focal point of God's plan of redemption. That's an important thing. That since the time of Abraham, Israel is the focal point of God's redemption. Again, as I've mentioned, the Redeemer came out of Israel. And Satan wanted to kill the Redeemer from the very time of his birth. At the moment Jesus was built, born, Satan wanted to kill him. But you know, Jesus made a promise that the nation of Israel would still be here when he returned to the earth again. I'll show you. Mark this page and turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 23. Matthew uh, 23, verse 37. Jesus speaking, right? He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. So first of all, do you see how Jesus refers to Jerusalem as her? And we see the mother that gives birth to the child and all of that in Revelation, right? He says, how I often wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. So you see, Jesus loves, he loved his homeland and his people with a great love. And we see that there. And he's sad here. And he says in verse 38, See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So Jesus speaks of his second coming here. And he speaks over Jerusalem first of the fact that he is going to go away. But secondly, the fact that he will come back to Jerusalem again and Jerusalem will see him again. So for those that want to destroy Israel today, to drive its people into the sea and to make it desolate, it ain't going to happen. Israel will be there in the end. However, Satan continues to use others to come against Israel, doesn't he? Because Israel is God's chosen. And from Israel came the Savior of the world, from the tribes of Israel. And as we turn back to Revelation chapter 12, what happens to Israel? Revelation 12, 14 says, But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. So Israel... God's chosen people, right? They have a safe place to dwell, both now and during the Great Tribulation. They have a safe place to dwell. Notice there where it says that she was given two wings of a great eagle. Do you see that there in verse 14? 
Well, I want to show you something else. I want to have you mark this page again, and I want you to turn to the second book in your Bible, the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19, and let's start reading in verse 1. I want to remind you, though, before I do, back in Revelation, we read where, speaking of Israel, she was given two wings of a great eagle, okay, and she was taken to safety. Here in Exodus chapter 19, in the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. From there they had departed from Rephidim, had come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. So do you see that there? God uses the terminology here that he bore them on eagles' wings and brought them to himself. Now stay right here in Exodus, but again, I'll just remind you that back in Revelation 12, it says we saw where the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and time and a half from the presence of the serpent. So this is not an unusual occurrence for the children of Israel in the book of Revelation. God had protected them and will protect them. He has a plan for them. But look at verse 5 here in Exodus 19. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people for all the earth is mine. It doesn't get any plainer than that, does it? Israel is a special people to God, a special treasure above all people to God. And verse 6 says, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now that indeed was the, the truth, wasn't it? The, these are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. This is what God says to Moses. Okay? That's what he told them to say to the people. And to this very day, they are still his special people, his chosen people. So as we flip back to Revelation chapter 12, again, I just wanted to show you that it's not uncommon to see that terminology on the wings of eagles. God lifted them out of there, right? We very simply, what's being shown to us here is that God will protect Israel during the Great Tribulation as he did during the Exodus. Then verse 15 of Revelation 12 says, So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. Now I believe that this flood being talked about here in verse 15 of Revelation here is a literal flood. Satan will cause a flood in attempt to destroy the people of Israel. 
Now, why do I believe that? I'm going to show you, and I want to make you turn the pages of your Bible again, right? Oh, it's, I just get you back here to Revelation, now i got to turn you again, right? Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. While you're turning there, I want to read verse 15 again in Revelation 12. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman. And remember, the woman's representing Israel here. That he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to take his clothes. Now, let me pause here and ask you something. You've seen floods on television, right? Where floods come into cities and towns and all that. Where do people go during the flood? They go to the high place, right? You see people often being rescued from their housetops. People run to the mountains. And there will be a flood that will come against the nation of Israel during the Great Tribulation. And this is what Jesus is speaking of here. Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. It's going to be a very difficult time for Israel during that time. And then verse 19 says, But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor no ever shall be. So we haven't seen that great tribulation time that Jesus speaks of here. It's never been before, and there will never be one like that again. And Jesus is warning Israel here as to what's going to happen. So back in Revelation 12, again, I believe from this that it is a literal flood that Satan causes upon the nation of Israel. And picking it up in verse 16 of Revelation 12, But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. So the earth belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to Satan. And Israel belongs to the Lord, so the earth helps Israel, soaks in the water from the earth. Then verse 17, And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So we see very clearly here in verse 17 that there are on the earth during the tribulation messianic Jews. Jews that have come to faith in Jesus Christ. And if you remember, we've talked about this in the past, but we know from Revelation chapter 7 that there are 144,000 children of Israel that are sealed by God at the beginning of the tribulation, right? So there will be followers of Jesus Christ on the earth that did not escape during the rapture because they came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ too late. And Satan will now go and make war with those that have come to faith 
in Jesus Christ during the tribulation. He wants to rid the earth, and we'll see. He wants to rid the earth of them altogether. Then we go on into chapter 13, and John continues to describe what he sees in this vision. And he says, Then I stood on the sand of the sea. Now I want you to pause right there because I want to point out something to you here. John says there at the beginning of verse 1 there, Then I stood on the sand of the sea. So you see, again, like I said earlier, what's happening here is the scene is now shifting in this vision where John is now seeing not things that are happening in heaven, but now he's seeing things that are happening on the earth. And this is denoted by the fact that he says, Then I stood on the sand of the sea. Okay, so I wanted to point that out to you. And then John continues here in verse 1 and says, And I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Okay, now... We've already seen something, something very similar to this verse, haven't we? If you look back at chapter 12 again, verse 3, it says, And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems on his heads. And then down in verse 9 of chapter 12 here, we are told who that dragon is. It is the serpent of old, called the devil, and Satan who deceives the whole world. But here in verse 1 of chapter 13, this is describing, seems to be describing someone else. And we'll see that as we go on here. Verse 2, Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. So do you see that? This is not the dragon. This is not Satan himself, but Satan is the one that gives this beast his power, his throne, and his great authority. And this beast... Um, has horns and and crowns as well and we talked in the past about how horns and crowns represent power or excuse me horns represent power right and crowns represent royalty or authority so this beast is not satan himself but he gets all of his power from satan himself now this is our first introduction here to the antichrist but did you know that that word Antichrist does not appear in the book of Revelation? But nonetheless, we do have a description of him. And wouldn't you know that it is the Apostle John that gives us the descriptions of the Antichrist, right? The Apostle John here is writing this, but also in his other epistles, John gives descriptions of the Antichrist. So I'd like for us to look at some of those verses at this point in our study here. First, let's turn to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. And let's look down at verse 
18. It says, Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. So this is where we first see the word Antichrist in our Bible. And he is denoted here with a capital A by John in order to distinguish him from all the other Antichrists that are in the world today. You see, there is one Antichrist who will show up during the Great Tribulation, but in the meantime, there is a spirit of the Antichrist at work in the world today. Look at verse 22. It says, Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? Who is Antichrist who denies the Father he is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. So, do you know anyone that denies Jesus Christ? They deny that Jesus is their, the Savior of the world. That person is a liar. But if you take one step further, and the person that denies the Father and the Son, this is the Antichrist. And you see, the spirit of the Antichrist is at work in the world today. If you look at John, uh, turn up to chapter 4 here of 1 John. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and, in, and, now, and is now already in the world. So you see, the spirit of the Antichrist is at work in the world today. And by his spirit, he is distracting people from the truth of who Jesus Christ really is. Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior. There is none other. All religions do not lead to God. Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone is the way, the truth, and the life. And the spirit of the Antichrist keeps people from knowing this truth in the world today. That's what's at work in keeping people from knowing this truth. Because if Satan keeps people from this truth, then, then Satan will have these people with him in hell for all of eternity. So turning back now to Revelation 13, the Antichrist has been introduced here. And he has all of Satan's power and all of Satan's authority and in verse 3, it goes on to say, And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. You see, the world marvels, will marvel at this man. They don't see him as a beast that John describes him to be here, but rather they see him as being awesome. He has great power and authority and we'll see that he will do great things. He is even described here as being wounded and healed. 
And people will love this guy. Even today, if you think about it, in our present day and age, we see people who fall all over themselves for political leaders, even religious leaders, movie stars, and and great athletes and such, right? They fall all over themselves for this. They marvel at at when when a man or a woman rises to power or to popularity, even though that person had to go through great struggles in their lives. And in a sense, people worship these people. They idolize these people, even in our day and age. So what I'm saying is that it's not going to be a strange thing when people do this for the Antichrist, because he's going to be a powerful man doing great things. And he's even going to be a man that, that goes through an injury and is healed. And people are going to marvel at this man someday. So this is not an uncommon thing, though, because we see it. We see glimpses of it in our day and age. And verse 4 says, So they worshipped the dragon and gave authority to the beast, or excuse me, who gave authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? They're saying, they're marveling. There's none greater. He's the greatest. You know? So they think this man is wonderful, even though... He is blasphemous, as it says back in verse 1. Again, this isn't strange though, is it? The spirit of the Antichrist is at work in the world today. We see glimpses of people being prepared to worship the Antichrist because they're worshiping people in this world already that they're idolizing. right? Governments today are making laws contrary to the word of God and the people think that these government officials are just wonderful men and wonderful women of great fairness you know and they're just great people but they're making laws and doing things contrary to the word of God and these things are going to increase and it's going to wax worse and worse And verse 5 continues to describe the beast. And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. Okay, so he's going to blaspheme the name of God. He's going to blaspheme the place where God dwells. And he's going to blaspheme those that dwell in heaven. Who dwells in heaven during the tribulation? The angels, the elders, and the saints of the church that have been raptured. The beast, this Antichrist, is going to be a big talker and a heavy walker. He has feet like a bear and a mouth like a lion. He's a big talker and a heavy walker, and people are going to marvel at him. Now, I just want to give you a quick side note here at this point in this study, right? Most Bible teachers, by this point in time in the book of Revelation, have already taken you into the book of Daniel several times by now. And I, through this study thus far, have not been been led to do so. This does not mean at all that I disagree with those teachings. It's just not how the Lord is leading me this time through the book of Revelation. I will tackle Daniel as a teacher if and when the Lord gets me to that place in our Bibles, right? As always, though, I encourage you to go deeper with these studies than time allows for us here on Sunday mornings. Now, I bring this up to you here at this moment because Daniel, in chapter 7 of Daniel, he does speak of four animals that seem to represent governments of his time up until the time of the reign of Christ in the future. 
Daniel, in other words, speaks of a lion, a bear, and a leopard, and a beast. The same things we're seeing right here in Revelation. Okay? Again, I'm not disagreeing with any of those teachings. It's just not how the Lord's leading me through this time, through this study. But again, I'm providing you for a teaching, uh, a teaching here that the Lord leads me in as I sit down and study. I don't want you to be ignorant, however, to the fact that there's much more that you can expound on in the book of Revelation. I never want to get up in front of people and teach and act like I'm giving you everything you need to know because there's just far more in here than I can give you. So we're all to be students of the Bible. I just bring that up again because of the fact that you can go in Daniel and you can study about you know, the, the mentioning of the bear and the lion, the leopard, and the beast and such. But I'm not taking you in that direction. Now that being said, verse 7 continues to describe the actions of this beast. And it says, It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. So again, there are saints, there are believers in Jesus Christ on the earth during the Great Tribulation, and what? And they will not bow down to the Antichrist. They're going to refuse to bow down to him, and as a result of that, they will be overcome by him. Over, like it says here, they will be killed. They will be martyrs for the name of the Lord. Now, it's a shame that they didn't come to Christ prior to the tribulation, but nonetheless, they stood the test and they paid the price during the tribulation. And at this point in time, when the tribulation saints are gone, the beast, the Antichrist, as it says there, he will have authority over every tribe, tongue, and nation. That's why I said earlier, he, he's, he's now turning his attention off of Israel. He says, he, he was raging at this woman, right? But he turned his attention off of her and he went to make war with her offspring, right? With the rest of the people. So at this point in time, verse 8 then says, all who dwell on the earth will worship him. So, so that's what happens here. Now, again, the people that won't worship him are killed and they're gone. But all who dwell on the earth at this point in time will worship him. Who are these people? These are people whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. So we'll stop here for today, but hopefully you have an ear to hear what the Lord is describing to us here through His Apostle John. All that we are studying is stuff that is still yet to come. The spirit of the Antichrist, though, is at work in the world today, preparing uh, to you know, preparing people to be just dumb and blind followers of his ways. You and I must be aware of the signs of the time. We must stay the course of faith. We must continue to stand for the truth of the word of God and continue to spread the name of Jesus in the earth today. And it's not going to get any easier than it is right now. It's going to get harder and harder to do. Okay? Right? Jesus is the name above all names. Jesus is the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And the spirit of the Antichrist is in the world lying to people today, distracting people, and preparing them for an even greater lie that is to come in the future. So be in this world, but don't be of this world. Let's pray. Father God, again we thank you for 
your word. God, we thank you for this beautiful day where we can come out, where, where we are free, Lord, to, to proclaim your word, Lord, to read your word out loud, Lord, to study your word. We pray, Lord, for those in our lives, those that we will come to in contact with who have not come to the knowledge of you, Lord, as Lord and Savior. I pray, Lord, that you would open doors of ministry for us as we go forth in this week. Give us the opportunity, Lord, to share your love and the truth of your word with somebody, Lord. May we not be forgetful hearers, but may we be doers of your word. We thank you, Lord, for this time. We thank you for your love and grace and mercy. We ask your blessing upon the week to come. In Jesus' name, amen.